What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Wednesday, November 16th. I'm Juanita Tolliver. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What A Day, where we're not sharing any Pete Davidson dating rumors until they're confirmed by the Associated Press. Okay, let's be irresponsible just for a second, though, because yeah, when please. I saw Dionne Warwick say she's got dips, she said, I got next on Pete. Like, that sent me. And you, you know he's going to get there. <laughs> like, he's making his way down the list. Nobody is safe, but in a good way. He seems like a nice man. On today's show, the Polish government said two people were killed in an explosion near the border with Ukraine. But first, a little update on where control of the House stands after last week's midterm elections. As of our record time at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, Republicans have essentially secured a House majority for the next two years. But one thing is very clear. Their majority will be extremely narrow. What we've been seeing over the past few days, though, is a lot of infighting between these Republicans. Republicans in disarray over who is to blame for those results and how they'll be moving forward. I feel like we need some alliteration, right? Like, we, what's we the do. Republican equivalent of Democrats in disarray? Because we got to appropriately describe the chaos that has enveloped the GOP. Oh, Republican ranker, come through, Bill. That's our engineer, Bill Lance, coming in in the chat with that one. The Freedom Caucus is just getting warmed up, I promise you, and the MAGA Republicans are tussling. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, do carry on. Please, carry on. Yeah, the girls are fighting and we're (laughs) fine with it. (laughs) After their midterms flop, a number of Republicans are ready to challenge Kevin McCarthy and his nascent leadership role. So Priyanka, what exactly is happening with him right now? Yeah, so earlier Tuesday, House Republicans voted 188 to 31 to nominate Kevin McCarthy as their choice for House Speaker. Obviously, that's a clear victory over his challenger from the far right, Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, who also used to be chairman of the Freedom Caucus. You know, if you you aren't familiar, the roster is basically a who's who of congressional crazies. It's everyone from Marjorie Taylor Greene to Lauren Boebert to Madison Cawthorn. May his career rest in peace, please. Womp womp. But the number of conservative lawmakers who voted against McCarthy does complicate his path to becoming speaker because in order to become speaker, he needs the support of the majority of House members. So 218 votes at a minimum. If the red wave actually happened and there were more Republicans in the House, you know, he might have enough people to support him outright. But because the majority here will be super slim, he can't afford to lose very many votes. So in order to secure these votes from some of the most conservative members of his party, he might have to make some big concessions, including ones that make them more powerful and him Less so. Right. Just like you said, Priyanka, 218 is the magic number, and apparently MAGA extremists are making their demands, including requests for sham investigations. And like you said, those concessions could also include potential limits on McCarthy as speaker. So if the conference gets tired of him, they might have the option of voting him out of his position. So if Wild. he folds <laughs> on that, his life every day is going to be a living hell. Let's just name it. Pandemonium. 
I'm cool with it, though. Right. He earned it. So that's what's happening in the House. What's going on in the Senate? Yeah, I feel a little bit like that Marie Kondo meme. Like, I love mess. <laughs> like the little girl in front of the burning house. Oh, my God. So sinister. Reveling in the chaos here. But in the Senate, Rick Scott of Florida said he would challenge Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for his leadership role. Lots of Republicans, including Donald Trump himself, are trying to set McConnell up as this fall guy for the Republicans' inability to take back the Senate majority this year, despite having favorable conditions heading into the election. Scott is not expected to be successful here. He's a first-term senator, and the first challenger that McConnell has faced as the GOP Senate leader in 15 years, but, you know, still not great that he's facing this very public opposition. I personally think based on how disastrously Scott handles messaging, what he's all about, how he handles himself personally, that would be a great outcome for Democrats. Like, would absolutely love Rick Scott with the most unpopular ideas of all time to become the head of that party. But I will not get my hopes up because it doesn't really seem like that will happen. (laughs) Right. Senate Republicans are expected to hold leadership elections today. So we'll see what happens, what comes of this very, very soon. Honestly, this all feels like retribution because McConnell called out the low quality candidates that Trump and Rick Scott handpicked to run in these midterm Senate races. And that's it. So you also mentioned Trump in there, the ultimate drag on every Republican who ran in a statewide race. And at this point, he has cost Republicans three election cycles and he's getting a lot of public blame from Republicans right now. In spite of all of that, he made a big announcement last night. What did this man have to say, Priyanka? Yeah, about Donald Trump, he has been unraveling in real time over the past week on Truth Social as many Republicans have started to distance themselves from him. On Fox News yesterday, one of their hosts showed a graphic with 13 potential Republican presidential candidates for 2024. Trump was not a part of the graphic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the man just mainlines Fox News all day and all night. So that must have been painful for him to watch. Yesterday, he had his little event at Mar-a-Lago, just like he said he would. He's running for president. It's not surprising because we all knew he was going to do this. And that is all we're going to say about that. He's doing exactly what we knew he was going to do. And we got to keep in mind why he's doing it, right? He's doing it because it's about self-preservation and avoiding any type of prosecution or accountability for the multiple investigations he's facing from the DOJ, from Fulton County, for stealing White House classified materials, you know, all of that. But what can we expect now from Republicans if they ever manage to get their shit together in Congress? That's a gigantic if. And like you were saying, we all know that Donald Trump is going to hide behind the excuse that they are just doing this to me because I'm running and this is politically motivated and it's a witch hunt. Like we all know what's happening. It is clear as day. But anyways, before Election Day, Kevin McCarthy spent a lot of time talking about these so-called priorities for Republicans, about immigration, about cutting off financial aid to Ukraine, kickstarting oversight, quote-unquote, investigations into the Biden administration that includes potential impeachment for God knows what, Hunter Biden, the list goes on. With control of the Senate and the White House, obviously Democrats can prevent Republicans from making the worst of their MAGA fever dreams a reality. But with this infighting between different factions of the Republican Party, who knows what they will even be able to come together on? It remains unclear at this point. 
Look, what's wild is that they have such an extremist and destructive agenda, and Republicans still wonder why they got their butts whooped in these midterms, especially with black voters, Latino voters, union voters, and youth voters. Look, the 18 to 29-year-old voters showed up and did what needed to be done, especially with 89% of black youth voters and 67% of Latino youth voters supporting Democrats. Of course, that made a crucial difference across the board, and in states like Michigan, where Democrats want to try and Arizona, where 70% of young voters supported Katie Hobbs. Excuse me, that's governor-elect Katie Hobbs. Put some respect on her name. I had a chance to catch up with Victor Shi, a Gen Z organizer, co-host of iGen Politics Podcast, and strategy director for Voters of Tomorrow to talk about all of this historic youth voter turnout, why they overwhelmingly supported Democrats, and how they plan to mobilize youth voters for the December 6th Georgia Senate runoff. I started by asking him what it took to organize and mobilize youth voters at these historic levels. The turnout that we saw among young people, and especially uh, young people of color, was just extraordinary and really just inspiring. A lot of the conversations heading into the midterm election was whether or not young people would show up. There was a piece in Politico saying that young voters are MIA because of just historical patterns. I know it's just all of these media (laughs) and these pundits were saying that young voters would stay at home, but we very much did not. And a lot of it, I think, is because of kind of this Republican Party and what it's done to attack our lives and really strip away rights. And so part of the organizing effort was to have those conversations with young people on just a human level. So individual conversations, what we call relational organizing, where we're basically just meeting young people where they are, whether it be on college campuses, in high schools, online spaces like TikTok or streaming platforms like Twitch. And so I think at the end of the day, it's about meeting young people where they are and just making the choice between this Democratic Party and this Republican Party as clear as possible for young people. And Republicans did a lot of heavy lifting for you because when we had that conversation on 11th Hour with Stephanie Rule, we talked about how Republicans have absolutely nothing to offer youth voters. I feel like that's going to just continue in the future based on the destructive agenda they've laid out for this next Congress. So I guess my follow-up, since we know what Republicans are likely going to do, how do you think youth voters are going to hold Republicans accountable in this next Congress? I remember back in 2020, so I was a delegate to the DNC convention, and I remember a week later I was watching the RNC convention, and there was absolutely no policy platform whatsoever. And they've just really kind of continued that practice throughout those next two years uh, into 2022. And so I suspect that'll be the same thing. And young people aren't oblivious to the fact that this is the state of the Republican Party. And the great thing about Gen Z is that Gen Zers and millennials and young voters, we are only going to increase in political power. I think there was a study that showed by 2024, we're going to outnumber any generation older than us. And so part of the next steps for Gen Z and how we kind of clap back against the Republican Party is to still go on those online spaces. And you know, one of the things that we do best as a generation is we troll Republicans. We remember that one incident with Trump's rally. It was young people who uh, really stole all the tickets and depressed the turnout on that. So I think young people are going to do what we do best, and that's really organizing online, but also kind of calling out Republicans where they are and saying that we will not tolerate what you are trying to do with our lives. Right. Now, on the flip side, in your recent Chicago Tribune op-ed, you noted that young voters overwhelmingly supported Democrats because of their investments in climate change, because of their efforts to protect our most basic rights like access to abortion, canceling student loan debt and more. And I'm a firm believer if you show up, you deserve to be not only appreciated, but courted. 
That energy can't stop and it can't drop. And so what do young voters want to see next from Democrats over the next two years to keep them engaged and motivated? So I think a lot of the policy issues that we're focusing on, and, and you said that so well, which is basically that Democrats have done so much to deliver for young people and, and what we care about from climate change to uh, gun reform safety bills. And I think going forward, what we're going to be watching closely from the Democratic Party is that they don't stop just here. So we know, for example, with the gun reform legislation bill, that was just the first step. There is so much more that we should be doing when it comes to gun safety and what we should pass with that. There's also climate change. The Inflation Reduction Act was a great first step. But we hope that now, hopefully with the Senate, they'll, they'll pass more laws that'll make climate change better and that we'll have a better planet for our future generations. And then also, this generation cares deeply about representation in government and who is representing us. There's a new push by some youth organizations to go and establish a youth advisory council in the White House to make sure that young people, now that we voted for them, have a seat at the table and are included in those conversations. I love that. I also want to know how you're going to engage with Maxwell Frost, the first Gen Z representative elected to Congress. And I'm sure you are very proud of him, but how are you planning to engage with him in this new Congress? He is just kind of the best of our generation. He's going to go into this new Congress, even though it might be a little tight. Right. But in terms of just looking at a member of Congress and being able to relate to them. There are all of these cultural points where young people can relate to Maxwell Frost. You know, he is someone who uh, supports Taylor Swift and is a big Taylor Swift guy. And so, but the great thing about last Tuesday was that it wasn't just Maxwell Frost. There were so many people across the country who were Gen Zers who won their election on the state and local level. Um, I can even think of people from my home state, uh, Nabila Syed, who just amazing recent graduate and who's going to be in the Illinois State House. And all of these kind of races down ballot, I think are going to be great for Gen Z, or we're going to look around government and see people who actually look like us, and we're going to actually pay attention. And I also appreciate the fact that Gen Z voters are just getting started in terms of throwing your weight around in these elections. And of course, the most immediate next election is the Georgia Senate runoff. So how are youth voters and voters of tomorrow going to be engaging and mobilizing voters on the ground in Georgia over the next three weeks? So that's a key state. And we remember back in 2020, that race also went to a special election. And part of the reason why John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock were able to get elected that election is because of young people turning out to vote in historic ways. And you saw that directly from the campaigns too. One of their key strategies was going to TikTok and creating these kind of new digestible uh, forms of content for young voters. And so I think in this election, Georgia is a very unique state. There are lots of minorities, lots of young people, lots of women. And so all of these demographics are going to be key for Democrats in turning up our vote. And uh, one of the things I think is most important to note about Georgia is that if you didn't register to vote before November 8th, you actually can't vote in this special election because of all of the absurd Georgia election laws. Yep. So this election is very much going to be about turnout. And so all of us are going to have to do our part to make sure that we turn out the vote in Georgia. And I know that includes having conversations with young voters, going to college campuses, and really kind of using young students and the power of our voice to turn up that vote. That's what we're going to be doing in the next three weeks before uh, December 6th. That was my conversation with Victor Shi. And if you want to learn more or get engaged with Voters of Tomorrow, we will add their website to the show notes. That's the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. The Polish government said on Tuesday that a Russian-made missile landed near its border with Ukraine, killing at least two people. The report, which has not been confirmed as of our record time Tuesday night, comes as Russia unleashed another volley of missile attacks against cities across Ukraine. 
The Kremlin has denied Poland's claims, and it's unclear if it was an intentional strike. Still, NATO leaders will convene today for an emergency meeting about the incident, though Poland, which is a member of the alliance, does not appear to be treating it as a deliberate attack right now. And President Biden, who was meeting with world leaders for the G20 summit in Indonesia, said this. There is preliminary information that contests that. I don't want to say that till we completely investigate, but it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. If it's determined that Moscow was behind the blast, it could trigger Article 5 of NATO's constitution, which states that an attack on one member state is an attack on all of them. Really, really serious stuff. A judge overturned Georgia's six-week abortion ban yesterday, meaning that the state can no longer enforce it. The restrictive rule was known as the heartbeat bill when it was signed by Governor Brian Kemp in 2019 because it outlawed the procedure once a fetal heartbeat could be detected. It couldn't take effect until this summer after Roe v. Wade was overturned, but the judge who issued yesterday's ruling found that the ban has no legal merit because it was enacted years ago when abortion was still a constitutional right. The spokesperson for Georgia's Attorney General, Chris Carr, said that his office plans to appeal the decision. And just when you thought there couldn't be any more good news out of the great desert state of Arizona, yesterday voters officially passed a proposition that will make undocumented students eligible for in-state tuition rates and state-funded financial aid if they choose to attend a public university or college. In case you didn't know, non-citizens seeking higher education usually have to pay out-of-state tuition because of their legal status, and they usually don't qualify for a lot of scholarships and grants to make up that extra cost. This proposition will make college more affordable for more than 3,000 undocumented Arizonans every year, according to the American Immigration Council. One of the babies born yesterday became the 8 billionth member of the global population, according to the UN. It is impossible to know which baby it was, but maybe once they all get a little older, they can fight it out for the title. UN officials frame the milestone as a reflection on humanity's advancements in medicine, public health, nutrition, and personal hygiene. For those of you keeping track, 7 billion was just 11 years ago in 2011. And considering that the global growth rate has slowed, the UN thinks it'll be 15 years before we hit 9 billion in 2037. Wow, that stresses me the hell out. Huge numbers. And because somebody's got to give all 8 billion of us something to dance to, the nominees for the Grammy Awards were announced yesterday, honoring some of the best music of 2022. Surprising absolutely no one, least of all me, the most nominated artist this year was Queen B, Beyonce. She scored nine nods, bringing her career total to 88. Count them. That ties her up with one artist, Jay-Z, who happens to be her raggedy husband, but we'll take it. <laughs> we'll accept it. Kendrick Lamar scored eight nominations, and Adele and Brandi Carlile each got seven. And there's no use dwelling on the negative, but we'll just say that two other people whose recent output has been questionable were also honored with nominations. Their names rhyme with Dave Shusmel and Ewe C.K. Yep. When I tell you... I'm hype. I'm so hype. And yep. in addition to Queen Bee, I'm so thrilled to see Memphis superstar Glorilla get nominated, as well as the magnificent Viola Davis, who has a shot at becoming an EGOT, 
if her audiobook wins. This is Black Girl Magic all sprinkled up and through these Grammy nominations, and I, I can't wait. Totally. I had no idea that Jay-Z was the most nominated artist. Also, really surprising, but like, <laughs> so cool. But it's just them, just those two chilling up there. Probably will be forever. I guess you can say they're a power couple. I will accept that moniker. We'll allow it. <laughs> and those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads to discuss the pain and heartbreak that was millions of Swifties trying to simultaneously use Ticketmaster. I hear it in your voice, Priyanka. <laughs> What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, Okay. This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. It's Wednesday Wad Squad, and for today's Tim Check, we're discussing Panic, Taylor's version, or the feeling that millions of Taylor Swift fans experienced yesterday when they tried to buy tickets for her 2023 Eras Tour. 
Tickets are being sold exclusively through Ticketmaster and due to what the company described as, quote, historically unprecedented demand, their website started seeing outages in the morning. Swift crazed millennials found themselves waiting for hours in lines that didn't seem to move, and people like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez shared criticism of the ticket giant, which has often been accused of boxing its competitors out of primary and secondary markets and price gouging. AOC tweeted, quote, daily reminder that Ticketmaster is a monopoly. Its merger with Live Nation should never have been approved, and they need to be reined in. Break them up. So Priyanka, this story is deeply personal to you. How are yep, you feeling about is. yesterday's ticket disaster? So listen, I didn't actually get to participate in any of this yesterday oh, because no. I was on the wait list for the pre-sale. I didn't even get a code. Oh, so you didn't even get in? You had to wait outside? I didn't even get a code to be a part of the pre-sale. They oh. said, no, sorry, you got to wait till it goes on sale to the general public in, I don't know, two days. So I'm never getting a ticket. And we know it's going to be marked up by then, like in the thousands, probably. Who knows? Apparently, they're releasing more tickets. They only had a certain number for pre-sale, whatever, which like, I hope. But the crazy thing of all of this is this like dynamic pricing. Like had Ticketmaster just left all the tickets as is, like it was right. just a crazy experience, but like everything was the same price. It was easy and straightforward. That might be one thing, but you had people like, logging on and being like, I see tickets that are like $700. And you saw other people who were like, I see tickets that are reasonably like, wait, wait. So they made it a variable? Yeah. Based on how much demand. What the hell? They're totally price gouging, but that's fine because there were enough eyes on this that tweets like AOCs, like people who are complaining about this company and its practices, like are getting attention from people who did not care, did not know. Right. And had like no business caring about this before. But you know what would take this to the next level? I need Taylor Swift to speak out. So Taylor, Taylor friend, Taylor. if you're listening, your fans need you to call out these horrible price gouging practices from Ticketmaster and AOC can give you some notes and talking points if you need them, friend. But we need Taylor Swift to lead this movement. And this fan needs a ticket also, by the way. <laughs> so thanks, Taylor. Like, you can send it to Priyanka at what a day. I'm available. <laughs> I'll go anywhere. Just let me know. I just want a ticket, please. And just like that, we have checked our temps. They are hot, like the servers running Ticketmaster. One more thing before we go. The Cricket Store just launched some brand new merch from some of your favorite shows, including new sweatshirt designs inspired by Love It or Leave It and Hysteria. And this holiday season, every order from the Cricket Store will support Vote Save America's Every Last Vote Fund to make sure that every voice can be heard in the face of unprecedented voter suppression. Head over to crooked.com slash store to find the perfect gift for the Cricket fan in your life and maybe pick yourself up something too. All for today. <laughs> if you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, send a birthday gift to the eight billionth child, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just emails that say you got the tickets from Ticketmaster, like me, I would be very into reading an email like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com/slash subscribe. I'm Juanita Tolliver. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And let's all root against U-E-C-K. Just a disgusting human. I can't believe he's even in the lineup to be considered for these awards. Like, Absolutely no. Edit undo, Grammys. Edit undo. You can take it back. Bye. Bye. 
What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. I'm Oren Siegel, and I've been fighting extremism, anti-Semitism, and hate for more than 20 years. You should subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, to get a unique perspective on the daily work and the people who have dedicated their lives to exposing, fighting, and disrupting extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hate. We bring you the stories of people and communities not only impacted by hate, but who offer new perspectives and ways to push back. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.